Because I like the human form replicators more. Oh, really? Like that Reese episode. Oh, Reese is phenomenal, but she's not a replicator. Yeah. She's an android. I'm talking about, like, um, the terrible ones from Atlantis. <laughs> <laughs> you disagree, Reese? <laughs> <laughs> no idea what's going on. This is the problem. You come in and you talk Star Trek, right. and then you're like, oh, Star Wars. How about Stargate? Let's just start talking about all our favorite That one was called Menace. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Get in the geek. This is Get Into Movies. We are talking Star Trek Beyond. Star Trek Beyond. Thank you. <laughs> However, you're supposed to say it. Colon or no colon. Disagree or agree. Whatever the case may be. My name is Mitch. Uh, joined by Maddie, Brendan, Yo, and Reese. What up? We are back. Uh, if you uh, checked out our uh, non-spoilers chat the other day, uh, hopefully you did. Hopefully you've seen the movie because that's what we're about to talk about now. The movie in full detail, as much detail as we can get into, as much criticisms as Matt no doubt will. Uh, so if you haven't seen the film and you're a little bit iffy on it at this stage, probably safe not to listen to this because we'll leave <laughs> nothing to be desired. Uh, so last warning, we're going into full spoilers. You can check out our non-spoilers review on uh, on our podcast channels on SoundCloud and iTunes. Let's get into it. What an abomination. (laughs) (laughs) And that's all we need to say. What was that? The end. What was that running joke that Bones and Spock had about horse shit? Is that what it was? Oh, God. Well, that that annoyed me because he's like, logically, he's going, what is, you know, increment, increment, whatever, Mm. horse shit got to do it. And then he makes the joke about it. He's got an IQ of like 200, but he doesn't understand. But then he makes, then he understands it. Two seconds later, he has a human mother, but he doesn't get it. Yeah, don't even. Well, maybe she didn't have a potty mouth. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> well, I'd like to start at the start because I think for a lot oh, of that, movie- that scene from Star Wars. Yeah, that, that, thank you. I'm going to get to this episode two. Um, mm. Yeah, that turned into an episode. Uh, turned into a scene from um, Galaxy Quest. Yeah. <laughs> sure, I don't. Yeah. I, I, I'll take your word for it. Really, Tim Allen? No, Galaxy I know. Quest. I've been told to check it out. It's a great. Oh, you have not seen I've Galaxy. Never Quest? seen Galaxy Quest. Oh man, that's awesome. Mitchell Lewis. <laughs> I'm so, I'm sorry. I'm more frustrated with you than I'm with this film now. No, don't, <laughs> don't go that far. Because hey, wow. I know how you feel. Wow. I'm, I was trying to get this guy to watch Pulp Fiction for a decade. So <laughs> good luck to you. It's almost true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, hang on, how long have I? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's right. Um, is that a lot of movies? You know, I go and they might be the ones that I'm really looking forward to, and they're a little bit funny at the start, whether it be in tone or whatnot. And I think, oh, well, they'll recover from this and then come the end of the movie. I'm like, no, that was the overall tone, you know, because you can't judge a movie by one particular scene. But I think the start of the film really sets up everything. And and a lot of these movies that I don't want that to be the case are proving it to me more than any other film. And so, like I said, I saw this two weeks ago. and it starts off and, you know, you're on this distant planet or whatever and the music's great and it opens and, and um, uh, Captain Kirk is there. He's speaking in, you know, a great authoritarian oh, sort of voice. How does he sound you know? like William Shatner? When he's, he does when give he really, good Shatner. A lot of inflections yeah. yeah. into it, yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll give him that. He does yeah. give good Shatner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't give a Shatner. <laughs> and I thought, okay, this is cool. And then they go up to... Where do they get the weapon from? And I'm like, oh, God, no, we're going to... Oh, this is like Indiana Jones, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Like, within two seconds, oh. we've got a CGI character that mm. has come out of nowhere. I don't think yet in the Star... Oh, in the, At actually, least the new Star Trek films, we've had an all-CGI character, have we? Oh, not one that speaks. Like, in uh, the first film, you had those big aliens chasing them on the ice planet. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And but, things like that. But yeah, not certainly a, not. And, and that's not understandable. Sentient, not a sentient Because that was a giant character. creature, whereas yeah. this... I, I don't know how this couldn't have been done... With a man in a costume. And those those mm. characters annoyed me too mm. because how could you be that powerful and be that little? 
<laughs> Wouldn't you just get... How, how could you have not have seen those how characters in 50 years yeah, well, worth of Star was, Trek That's episodes. what I turned to Mitch and I go, Maddie already f***ing hates his movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was like, is is that Snoke up there? Is that, <laughs> yeah. you know? Are we going to see Kylo Ren <laughs> yeah. sitting next to him? Or? But that was my great fear was that that I mean that scene didn't last very long and then we were saying we're back on the ship and no, 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 and no, no, great you're, gag, you're skipping great gag ahead. You're skipping ahead. <laughs> because we went from that scene into a scene directly pulled from Galaxy Quest of all the yeah. little aliens running all over Chris Pine, which yeah. Yeah. it's quite literally a and scene. And I thought he was pulling out a cassette tape to play them some music <laughs> for a second. That was the Guardians of the Galaxy bit they wanted <laughs> yeah. to get Has in. Has anyone there. ever yeah. played Zelda? Oh god, not those since little, I was a kid. Those, well for any Zelda uh, fans out there, those little things remind me of Gorons. Little characters in uh, Zelda. So if you ever play Zelda, yeah, yeah. So that's when for did you play Zelda? Because I didn't, and we're brothers. <laughs> <laughs> a lot so of things. It was like that I last did. week, <laughs> <laughs> it was literally about a couple of months ago. <laughs> <laughs> but that was what I, I. It got into him like the drama, I guess, of Kirk going. Well, I don't think I want to do this anymore. Like it, it's. I'm not up to it, basically. So it got into him sort of, you know, monologuing and stuff, doing his, mm. his captain's log and all that. And I thought, gee, that was a weird, really weird way to start off this film if mm. this scene is what it's going to be. And it was a bit of a mix, but just sort of really, I think, kicked off in a really low... I, CG, I don't know why we needed a full CGI character, because those guys yeah. really played... I know the device played a great part in the overall story. Yeah, but it was mm. like it, its introduction was a gag. So you didn't take yeah. it seriously. Yeah. yeah. And I was going, well, so this is like an integral part of the fucking story now. Like yeah. all of a sudden, but he was trying to give yeah, half this, of it away. This is the MacGuffin. This is the MacGuffin yeah. of the mm. film. Mm. Yeah. I think they were trying to point out how unimportant they thought it was, but. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But no, well, that's the thing is it was really important from the, the people that Kirk was presenting it on behalf of. Mm. Yeah. It was a yeah, really important true, yeah. weapon that they were giving to these people as a form of, of trying to create peace. He was but I was wondering if, mediator. He, if that was just a bluff. Why would it be giving to because them? Because then? then he goes, put it back in the thing, as if the they've vault. always had it. They've always had it in the vault. But then we never actually got to see that the other race that he yeah. was apparently being the mediator that's from. That's what I so mean. Why was he there in the first place? Just trying to bluff them. Yeah, that's. But what, why? Like for what? Who knows? Exactly. They're peacekeepers now, <laughs> stealing from. <laughs> Matt is like exactly. That's why this blows. <laughs> oh, <laughs> God, just I could I could quite literally if we had it up on a screen here, I could quite literally pause on every scene and point out to you what they. Director's up. commentary. <laughs> do it. Do it. The Peter Jackson <laughs> cut. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No. Well. Yeah, you raise a good point about the fact that they this whatever the other race was called, I can't remember. They said, "Oh, it's a weapon. It's an ancient weapon." Now, mm. us at the start of the film, we believe that because that's what we're being told. Then later on, Idris Elba's uh, Kroll character says that it's an ancient weapon that was separated into two because it was too powerful for this this race that originally lived here to handle. They shot off both halves into space. Yeah, that's so, responsible. Mm. Yes, it is. Sure. Yeah. Even <laughs> if you that's jettison the, into a sun or something, that's if you the, want to destroy it, like, it's Jesus, the, it's the Kryptonian premises. It's yeah. like if we want to uh, save something, jettison it into space. Yeah. And they've get never seen a sci-fi eventually. movie. Come on, guys. Yeah. <laughs> so, meanwhile, forty years ago, we sent Voyager off into, and it's only just left our solar system. So, mm. good luck to whatever else finds out there. Yeah. But just by itself, surely that device is not a weapon like they were carrying it around they had it sort of logged and stuff well, no, so it seems to be the key to a weapon like it's the act it's the act sure but how did the, the the race that obviously found it how do they know that it's a weapon are you looking to me no to, no i'm just saying i'm not trying to i'm not trying to argue i'm actually trying to maybe encourage you but like that mm. was in hindsight we, like at the start of the film that's not a problem because we don't find out the second half of the story but 
looking back on it, you're like, well, hang on, it's it's broken up into two, mm. thrown out into space. Someone finds one piece of it and goes, oh, this is a weapon, and offers it up as a sign Mitch, of peace. You start pulling on loose threads, and the entire tapestry falls apart. <laughs> and that's what this film is: is just a bunch it, of loose threads it, that are never tied up at the end. He would have had to find out from somewhere that it was a key to a weapon, because he said that at the start. He said, "This is this is yeah, he did. Um, it, this is to a, a, an ancient weapon that's not in use anymore, mm. and they want to give it to you as a um, as a sign of peace." Mm. Um, so he would have had to have found out from somewhere that it was for a weapon, whether yeah. whether it was from the race that gave it to him or whether whatever. But yeah, there there is a backstory there that that didn't get explained. But instead mm. of returning that thing to the race that gave them to them. We're on the edge of the known galaxy. We've been exploring for three years. We don't know what's out there. Oh, look, there's a brand new star base right next to us that we can stop off and check out. Yeah. What? Yeah. yeah. Okay, exploring so exploring deep space. The, the Enterprise is, is further out yeah. from Earth than yeah. any other ship has ever been. They're in, encountering species that have never been seen before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's this brand new giant world-sized space station that's all nice and pristine, <laughs> yeah. overflowing with hundreds of thousands of people living on it. That's just they're waiting for them already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, what? And it's only, Yeah, they've only been out for three years, so that, yeah. that was quick. They whipped Space that up Station nicely. Elysium, as I like to call it. <laughs> <laughs> they just did a quick year and come back. There already. Yeah, yeah, what was, yeah. yeah, what was that? Mm, that would have taken... And again, based on what I was saying in our in our pre um, in our non spoilers chat, <laughs> in terms of what's been established in the Star Trek universe, that space station is nothing like Federation technology. Well, that's what I was wondering. It looks if it was nothing like be Federation star DS, bases. DS9. Or well, something that's like that's that. not Federation technology. That's Cardassian yeah, technology. Right. Um, it looks I nothing. <laughs> it looks. <laughs> Shut up, rookie. <laughs> <laughs> that's got a rant going about something like that. It I looks know. nothing <laughs> like Federation technology. It's ten times the size of the star base protecting Earth in the original timeline which is their be all and end all because it's yeah. parked in orbit of earth this space station Elysium would have taken <laughs> de- a decade mm. to build a decade minimum yeah and you know what they well, probably look at it. It was a metropolis is like yeah. 20 oh, million times the design stuff. of it the, the the idea of it the concept of that thing is yeah. f-ing amazing like yeah. they had ah. you know like uh, you know like to, to maximize the space within that dome you know they've got their fake gravity working like there's a there's, oh, you're on yeah. a you're on a city street and there's one 200 meters above you upside down essentially then one's crisscrossing yeah. through like the idea of it great the concept, concept of it fantastic great concept yeah. but again not sticking in with the star trek universe yeah. in that they have artificial gravity plating on the ship mm. like they don't need to to have you know use that that circular motion to yeah. create gravity they have artificial gravity plating like mm. that's it's a thing on all the starships it's it doesn't mesh in with the established um, technology available. Maybe it was more cost universe. effective. Because <laughs> <laughs> they had to build it quick as you, yeah. as you pointed yeah. out. Yeah. You know what? It doesn't look do fragile this. at Ten all. Earth years. Years. Ten and you know Earth what? I reckon they could have fixed Two. up the, maybe not the, the, the gravity They've business. they been out for three years on a five year mission. Uh, and they managed to get all those supplies out there yeah. to them and build it and <laughs> stock, it, they got stock it with people <laughs> and office yeah. buildings. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, office buildings and lakes and mm. fly your spaceship <laughs> under the lake. And yeah, as, as far as the level of technology that it would take to build that, I reckon they could have fixed at least a part of your problem that you go, oh, that didn't exist in the original timeline. Maybe fix that with one line of dialogue that... Ambassador Spock. I thought the exact you know, same thing. He's brought back. He's got all these great ideas. Like even mm-hmm. in the original st- of of the reboot. Sorry, the first movie of the of the JJ series, the Kelvin timeline, as they're calling it. Um, Spock hadn't you know come up with the equation of 
trans whatever the, the, the trans warp um, teleporting yeah, yeah right and Spock actually like because they needed it he he gave him the equation because you haven't discovered this yet mm. here it is which and he is gave a, it to him early right which is so, actually a callback to um, Star Trek. Five mm. Voyage Home, I want to say, in that they're like the original Star Trek crew are stuck in the eighties, and um, Scotty has to give this guy from the eighties the formula for transparent aluminum, mm. which is how mm. basically how um, starships have windows you can see through because glass would just shatter. Yeah, it's transparent aluminum, which again doesn't work in this film because at at one point Chris Pine fires his phaser at, yeah, yeah, yeah. at the mm. bridge window. And yeah, it shatters and like glass through, as yeah. they jump through it. That's transparent aluminum. Yeah, like that. It just again, mm. it's it's not sticking with the the established technology uh, capabilities within the universe. Yeah. So I mean, maybe like you said, they could have touched on with the Spock thing, and maybe it was mm. there. But I would then, have bought that. I would have totally bought that. Yeah, it would have been a great way, and it into a, 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 a again reference Spock, but maybe in the cut. And again, it, it sucks that they've taken it out because now you've got all these questions mm. and um, and inconsistencies. Maybe in the cut it degraded from what emotional impact they were hoping that the scene between the two Vulcans and our Spock yeah. had. So maybe if they mentioned Spock initially, you go, oh, cool, yeah, yeah, Ambassador Spock mm. or Spock Prime, and then they go, oh, he's dead. It's sort of, it's a mixed emotions, whereas the first time you hear about Ambassador mm. Spock, he's dead. And it's all yeah. of a sudden, Leonard Nimoy, this, char- this character that's been with his franchise for 50 years, yeah. he's actually, he's dead in real life I've, and he's dead within the series. I so feel maybe- like it was a misstep that they could have actually named that space station after him mm. from the get-go. If you think about it, when he arrives yeah. in this timeline in the first film, he's got what they call the little jellyfish ship with the red matter in it, and it has that spitting ring in it yeah, as yeah, he comes yeah. through. And yeah. it's like, well, they could have said, well, you know, Ambassador Spock could have um, designed this this space station, you know, to house, you know, the Vulcans from the first film who now, you know, don't yeah. have a don't have a home or anything like that. They, they could have taken so many um, avenues yeah, how to, long would that have taken? to give him that emotional touchstone. Mm. And, you know, there could have been a ceremony honouring Spock and renaming the station in his name, but they didn't take You're, any of those opportunities. That would have actually been really good if they'd started building that from essentially the end of the first film. Yeah, which is about four or five years ago, I'm guessing, in this film. In, in the says, timeline, yeah. He says they've been out in space for three years on yeah. their five-year mission, so I think that was the end of Star Trek Into Darkness. Yeah, yeah. They said, you know, our continuing five-year journey. So you, you'd think it'd be, you know, about four years since. Because in the original series, basically, that's that's what he says in the pilot. Yeah, well, that's that's the Enterprise's mission is to just just fly for around space years. for five years and see what yeah. they bump into. But if they said it, you know, Spock Go designed it, and it was initially <laughs> yeah. like a hotel for all the surviving Vulcans mm. until they found and you know established and populated New Vulcan, as they said. But yeah. you know, I think there's a, there's a few scenes in this. I, I, I I'm going to jump a little bit to when. Uh, uh, the, the the crew of the Enterprise are being held by Kroll's people oh, in like Jesus. a little jail cell or whatever. But all of a sudden you're seeing, um, I, don't, I forget his name, um, uh, Scotty's little mate um, with the oh. angry face. Right. He's got a cold. <laughs> Tic Tac eyes. Y- yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and Bones mentions him earlier saying he's got, he's got a cold because of his species. His, his phlegm is essentially oh, acidic, yeah. right? And so... You see these guys being walked into camps, and then it goes off and does like yeah, twenty minutes of be other scenes. Spaceship right next to the yeah, yeah the uh, the warp uh, generator, <laughs> yeah. and um, then it cuts back to him. Like all of a sudden, there's just all this phlegm on essentially a padlock or you know a door lock. And the first time I watched, I was like, "Hang on, where are we?" And then they go out, and you see Sulu, mm. and you see Uhura, and you're like, I-, "I haven't seen how they got in." Hang on, I, I feel like there was a, yeah. a key scene. Missing, oh, where we, yeah, I know, missing. but like, <laughs> where it's just so 
you know, I, I mean, I'm an idiot. I don't notice mm. these things, right? And if I'm noticing it, it's like in Ghostbusters last week, you can tell that they've cut a lot out of that film, but you can yeah. also tell where they should have cut a shitload more out. So, <laughs> yeah. you know. Like about two and a half hours. <laughs> but, but answer me this, Mitch. Why was Kroll keeping them prisoner? He wasn't putting them to work for any purpose. Yeah. Kill him. He, he wasn't, at no point did he have a redeeming factor at the end of the film saying, oh, he was keeping them because, yeah, spoiler, well, spoiler alert, he is a human, or yeah. which we still don't know how all that worked. But it's like, why <laughs> yeah, was... They didn't even go into oh they were found how a way he, to continue how he life. transformed mm, and mm, the <laughs> end. But so, so, yeah. so Fuck. aside from him to monologue Uhura all the time, why did he keep the entire crew alive? Yeah, or not yeah. kill Sulu? Like he had no reason yeah. to not because he had plenty of others to make examples of later. And that's what this film has become. It is basically a bish bash of about four or five different episodes of Star Trek. Two or three films of Star Trek plus Elysium, Galaxy Quest, and <laughs> yeah. Star Wars, and all those things all just bish bash together. There's quite literally an episode of Star Star Trek Voyager called Swarm, and the whole thing of the episode is Voyager encounters a swarm of ships of tiny tiny little car sized ships mm. that swarm and attack them, which is basically what Kroll had in this film. Yeah, yeah. There's also another. He did explain it how or why they did it? No, he well, he said later in the film it was a mining colony and he found the swarm ships. That yeah, that was that were drones ships. that. But worked you know for what? Really me about that. But it they had didn't... people inside it. Where did those? Where did those? Guys, his little warriors. Where did they come from? Yeah, exactly. They were the drones. That like because they were robots. Those things. Oh, were they? Yeah, because he's like, yeah. See, the first I rang Lincoln on on the way to the screen tonight, and I said, "How did this happen?" Blah blah blah. And then rewatching it tonight, and he Mm. says at one point, only three crew remain, and I'm like, "Shit, you've actually." managed to do all you've done so far in this film with only two offsiders. So all of those other things were piloted by robots. All those right. things that looked a bit like Robocop with, you know, phases on their on their forearms oh, or whatever, yeah. they were all robots that they, right. they were the drones, yeah. you know, piloting these so little I ships and stuff. I yeah. I didn't get that at all. I didn't get that read. Yeah. There's yeah. also another episode of Star Trek Voyager called Displaced and it's basically um, the ship's flying along and suddenly um, uh, an innocent, you know, alien just appears on the ship going, oh my God, where am I? What's happened? Please help me. Not real, and basically that continues on, and the, the the crew are getting replaced. You know, where an innocent you know crew member shows up, and one of their crew gets transported to like um, uh, a holding cell, yeah. which is basically the premise of this, where that the the weird chick who talked like through the robot voice thing, mm. which was supposed to be a universe translator, we'll get to that. Um, <laughs> yeah. She's rocked up looking innocent, but is actually has has sinister purposes. Which was- it's so obvious. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, straight and it's up. Like, and, and it's like, these are all things that have been taken How from you know? episodes of Star Trek. <laughs> the the colony where, like the mining colony where Uhura and Sulu are being held looks like that episode of Stargate, you know, where um, like Teal'c and Braytac and Ryak are being held oh, on yeah. the mining, um, Orpheus or whatever it was. Yeah. It, that looked like that. So it's just like every every time I, I watched a scene, I was like, oh, that's from this, that's from this, that's from this. It was just like, there was, there was nothing original about it. Hmm. And that's what frustrated me. Yeah, yeah. The thing that annoyed me the most was that when they finally find out that he's human or whatever, the the main villain, and then they go back, oh, look, we found his captain's log. It's like, you find a f***ing 200-year-old ship, however it was, you don't look at the captain's log. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's the first thing they do <laughs> yeah. in all these and movies. And they, they don't explain how he survived this long and how he was turned into yeah. that crew. It had the ability to suck the life force from other, uh, from other living beings. Yeah. There was yeah. none of that. I, yeah. I don't. It was like they go, oh, well, Apocalypse was good. Let's just make him look like that. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like whoever designed all the aliens in this film really like sea creatures 
because yeah. you had him, you had the chick that had the crab on the back of her head. Mm. And then when they're having their cele- celebratory party at the end, there's a chick who's got a big seashell on the back of her head. Yeah. And the funny thing is we've got 50 years of Star Trek to, to pull from and none of these aliens have ever been seen in Star Trek before. And like series like DS9 and Voyager are set 150 years after now yeah. and they've explored most of the Milky Way. You know, these guys are still in this little tiny pocket yeah. and we've never seen any of these species before. And it's like, well, yeah. put a bowling in there. Put a Ferengi in there. Give something for the, for us Trekkies to go, oh, look, yay. But yeah. no, mm. I got a chick with a big seashell on the back of her head. Yeah. <laughs> and it opened it up. What was that in? Oh, Farscape. There's something like that. In yeah. Farscape um, Claudia too. Carvin. She yeah. was the blue one and she had the crab on the front yeah. of her head. And that's, I thought the exact same thing. Like, yeah. well, there's something else they've, you know, taken an idea from. Yeah. Yeah. I could go on for hours. <laughs> well, yeah, the one thing I wanted to ask you, Maddie, obviously yeah. none of us here are hardcore Trekkies or yeah. Trekkers or whichever you Oh, that's an hour yourself. that's an hour long conversation <laughs> on its own. There's quite literally find yourself one. There's quite literally there's there's a there's a series of documentaries called Trekkies and there's about a fifteen yeah. minute segment in it of people debating Trekkies versus Trekkers. No, well, yeah, I'll turn that off. Oh those <laughs> neither. Those but, those are my people. <laughs> so what do the colours of the uniform mean anything? Yes. Because, so... sorry, in this movie, to start with, Kirk's like, I ripped my shirt again. He goes mm. to his cupboard, opens up, there's like, he's like Superman, where he's got like a yeah. hundred different so, yellow shirts. Um, the next minute, he's in a different costume. It's like, come on, man. Oh, the costume, we'll get to the costume yeah. changes. But sorry, um, colours. But ahead. yeah, so basically, um, star- it's always been three primary colours. So uh, red, blue, and yellow. Yeah. Um, in the original series, um, yellow or gold is command. Which you know is is you know Sulu and um, uh, Chekhov and the captain because they're sort of command functions. Red is engineering, so anyone who's an engineer or a mechanic or does anything to do with the ship, yeah. and then blue is sciences, so that's doctors and astrophysicists and and, and therapists okay. and all that sort of stuff. Um, when the next generation uh, dropped with Patrick Stewart in the eighties, they actually flipped it and command if you have command pads. You're awesome. No, <laughs> <laughs> command was red and yep. engineering was gold, and then the blue became kind of this off white, this sort of weird tealy, bluey green sort of. Oh color. yeah. But yeah, so that denotes your, you know, because you, it's like going to military school and then deciding whether you're going to be a sniper or infantry or whether you're going to yep. be a combat engineer. It denotes your, you know, what what. Part That's of, what always confused me because of. obviously I watched Next Gen and then he's yeah. in red and then Kirk's in yellow. I'm going, okay, well, this yeah. Is so they, they they flipped it between uh, the original series um and the next. Generation. And then obviously Voyager and DS9 follow on with Next Gen. Yeah, yeah. They um well DS9 and Voyager pretty much run concurrently. Um, yep. Voyager picked up right as um Next Generation ended. Yeah. Yeah. But back to this stunning film. <laughs> <laughs> That's good clarified. Yeah, I just, I don't want to get too soapboxy and ranty about it, but it is one of these shows that I do take. Well, I think we're going to do the same thing when Stargate comes around. That's, yeah. You know what I mean? Well, like, we're going to shit on that. <laughs> <laughs> I already know I'm going to hate it. Like, it's just going to be, you know, just the but ego we are... and the audacity. To come. I'm taking those and just shitting on 15 years of like sci-fi that you've all loved. And just going to reboot it. Oh, you I mean the new Stargate films? I thought you meant the films. series, and I was like, yeah. why would you shit all over that? No, no. Yeah, I was going to say, we're, yeah. we're starting up a, uh, a Stargate chat. Uh, we'll go into more uh, in a coming uh, episode of Get Into Movies. But uh, I was going to say, no, we're, we're doing it out of a place of love. We yeah. might get angry at certain things, but. No, no, no. I'm talking about the new. Yeah. Oh, the new Roland Emmerich. Well, new, yeah. let's be honest. After Independence Day Resurgence, yeah. they might punt the brakes on that a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, your sequels aren't working, Rowan. Do you know how you yeah. never believed in them? Maybe go back 10 years and <laughs> yeah. listen to yourself. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I don't want to get too soapboxy, but I like to, you know, be a fun, laid back guy. But there's there's three TV shows that I do take really seriously, and that's Star Trek, 
Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Um, and Roseanne. We're <laughs> <laughs> all thinking like, it. Uh, had to be said. Um, and, and the and the X-Men. And those are three TV shows that came along, you know, at different times in my childhood that actually helped define who I was in terms of um, my morals, my thoughts on accepting myself, accepting other people, and just being a, a all-around nice person. Yeah. And that's why I hold Star Trek in such high esteem because it is... It's a social commentary, and that's what it's always been. When it first dropped in the 1970s, it was controversial because it was the height of the Cold War. It was at the height of um, racial and um, uh, discrimination, and also discrimination against females as well. And you come to Star Trek, and on the bridge of the Enterprise, you have an Asian man. Now, Sulu was never Korean or Chinese or Japanese. He was just Asian. He represented Asia. There was an Asian man sitting next to a Russian man on the bridge and there was a black woman on the bridge. And in the 20 years prior to Star Trek um, premiering, black women, the only roles they were allowed to be on television were maids. Yeah. Mm. Um, and there's a, in, the, in the Trekkies um, documentary we were just talking about earlier, there's a great scene with uh, Nichelle Nichols who plays the original Uhura. And, and she tells this story. She says there's this little um, black girl in 1970-something sitting on the ground um, of a living room floor watching TV and an episode of Star Trek comes on. And she sees this glorious black woman, fourth in command of, of the Enterprise. And, and she runs into her kitchen. She says, Mama, Mama, th there's a black lady on TV and she ain't no maid. <laughs> and that's when that little girl decided that she could be anything she wanted to be. She could do anything she wanted to do. And that little girl's name was Whoopi Goldberg. Mad. Wow. That's, that's awesome. That's yeah. That's cool. That's spine tingling. Yeah, I thought you were going to cry there for a sec. To be honest, I can, I can trust me. I can. <laughs> Star Trek. That's um, very cool though. That's an awesome now, story. That's that to me was um was spine tingling the first time I heard that. I heard this other story. I thought you were going to say Michelle Obama. I was like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's not actually. You can marry a president, well, baby. <laughs> I, um, I, I heard this other story a couple of months ago as I was doing research um for this film. Mitch, if you've got some audio there, I just want to play. It's another story from Michelle Nichols about her time during Star Trek in the seventies. Hosted by Frasier. Herman Allen's formulaic Monster of the Week shows got good ratings for both CBS and ABC. Executives at NBC wanted the same for their science fiction show, Star Trek. But creator Gene Roddenberry wasn't interested in adding more monsters. He saw Star Trek as a vehicle to influence social change. And in 1960s America, few topics seemed more important than racial equality and women's rights. Issues that TV ignored. But Gene Roddenberry wasn't afraid. For two decades, African-American women were allowed only one role on television. It ought to. The, the servant. Lieutenant Uhura, take over navigation. Breakthrough came when Nichelle Nichols was cast as Lieutenant Uhura, fourth in command on the Starship Enterprise. But Uhura was soon written out of storylines as other characters became more dominant. Frustrated, Nichols wrote a letter of resignation. Within hours, a certain dedicated fan requested a special meeting. And I stood up to turn around and meet the Trekkie. And there is this man, bigger than life, human being, Dr. Martin Luther King. He says, I'm the Trekkie. He says, I'm the biggest Trekkie on the planet, and I am Lieutenant Uhura's most ardent fan. 
He went on to say how important Star Trek was, that images on television permeate the culture, either for the good or for the bad, and this is for the highest good. He said, you cannot abdicate your position. You are changing the minds of people across the world because for the first time through you, we see ourselves, what can be, what we are fighting for, what we are marching for. That's awesome. Yeah, so it's like, and that's that's what Star Trek has always been about. It's social commentary. Um, DS9 was was panned uh, when it first came out in 1992 because A, the, the captain was a black man. Uh, his first officer was a female terrorist. So basically the, the, the plot line of that was this this planet had been raped and pillaged by these people for their natural resources for the last 70 years. The, the native people had become a terrorist faction and had fought off the invaders and were now asking the Federation for their help. Um, and, and it was a, these, the Bajorans, who were these terrorists, were radical fundamentalists in terms of their religion. They were vastly, vastly religious um, and would do anything, you know, for, for their ideology. But Star Trek was able to paint that in a light that made it, you know, people to, to absorb it without it seeming too soapboxy and too preachy about modern day problems. Mm. Voyager had the same thing in terms of it was the first time there was a female captain in the lead role and that was panned for many, many years um, because it had always been male captains up to that point. So Star Trek pushes the boundaries, you know, again and again and again. And I mean, we're three films into, into this series and what, what social commentary have we seen in any of these films? I know it, it can sometimes be a hard pill to digest because you want to be entertaining at the same time but Star Trek at its best presents social, you know, um, ideas and problems to you in a neutral sense and lets you think about it and makes you walk away going, oh, wow, that's, it's so silly that that's going on in our daily lives. Mm. There's an there's a episode of the original series where, you know, Captain Kirk, they go to a planet and half the planet, they're painted black on the right and white on the left. And the other half of the planet are painted white on the right and black on the left. And they're having a racial war. And they're quite literally saying, why you're exactly the same? Why are you fighting just because of the color of your skin? And yeah. it was, it's so on the nose like that that you just think, well, why are these sort of issues present in our day-to-day mm. lives? Yeah. And that's, to me, that's what Star Trek is. And that's why I do take it seriously. And that's why I just, I struggle with these films because it's, it's all, it's, <laughs> it's like a DC, DC film. It's just porn. <laughs> 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 I want substance and I'm not getting it. And that's, that's why Chris Pine really, really got on my nerves when he said, you can't do a cerebral film, a cerebral Star Trek film in 2016. I was mm. just like, mate, you don't get it. Yeah. Um, and lucky he's not the writer. Well, it's going to say Gene and Major Roddenberry <laughs> must be rolling in their graves. In which, you know, I just, yeah. Sorry to bring it down, but uh, no, that was educational. Yeah, well, did, liked it. did Spock and um, did her and Spock hook up in the original series? Did no, no. Although um, Star Trek does have the um, the honor of uh, showing the first interracial kiss on primetime television between uh, between Uhura and Kirk. They kissed. That was the first time a black woman and a white man had ever kissed on television. Yeah, cool. Um, and then also in Voyager, in about ninety six or ninety seven, believe it or not. In 97 was the first mm. time an Asian man and a black woman had kissed on national on, on television. Wow. That's crazy. Isn't that bizarre to think? You it's just not don't... even 20 years ago. It's, yeah, it's yeah. mental. Yeah. It's nice. Never happened before until yeah. then. And then, like, you know, in, in this film, and I know a, lot, a lot's been said afterwards, but um, thankfully it all came out about 12 hours after I saw the film for the first time. And I'm sitting there with Lincoln, and they arrive at the um, uh, Yorktown, 
Um, space yeah, station. Yeah, 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 yeah. Awful <laughs> name. To be uh, new, 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 new York. I'm yeah. pretty sure I already named it Space Station Elysium. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Way better. So they arrive at Elysium. They've been greeted by Jodie Foster. <laughs> Thank you. And uh, they're all walking out. And Sulu goes up. He sees his daughter, who we got a brief photo of. And then you're like, oh, hey, cool. He's got his daughter. And and then who's this bloke that's been looking after her? Um, and then they put their arms around each other and they walk off. No one says anything about it. They don't even they don't focus too long on it. But you get the idea. It's like, oh, okay, Sulu's a gay character. Cool, because obviously the guy that initially played him, the great yeah. GT, um, is a, oh, yeah. is a is a proud gay man. And, oh my! Oh my! Oh my! That was good. And I oh, know he's had a lot to say. He said mm. he's not angry so much. He goes, it's just unfortunate that they had to actually say definitively what mm. sexuality is. He was very happy with the way that it was not a thing that they had mm. to point out back, yeah. you know, in the 60s when they started it all and whatnot. But uh, as again, as a new Trekkie, uh, if I can even call myself a 1%, <laughs> um, I really liked that because I yeah. thought, and I really liked the way that they paid homage to Leonard Nimoy because other than the, thank you for bringing this to my attention, live long and prosper, that Spock said to the uh, two Vulcans, there wasn't a word spoken in the rest of that scene where it was him one on one with uh, him one and looking at his uh, at the you know the little device iPad the little iPad <laughs> and then later in the film where he pulled out the photo of the original cast there was mm. no word spoken there either and I just thought it was a really nice mm. touch they didn't have to say anything yeah. to say a lot to go how awesome and how important was Leonard Nimoy yeah. but at the same time throw in a gay character make it the character that was played by a gay actor and that we're done with it now. You know? Yeah, um, I think the the homages to Leonard Nimoy were great. Um, I don't feel it gave um, Zachary Quinto a great story arc in mm, terms no. of any of his acceptance. It was, you know, but it, I think it had to be addressed, the fact that Leonard Nimoy had passed away. Um, I did like the way they addressed, um, you know, the Sulu thing, because you actually, um, when Kirk is doing his... Um, Captain's log and he talks about sacrifice there's actually that shot that holds just of Sulu's hand on the con with the wedding ring and that was just them subtly setting up that he is married now and he's away from his spouse and then it's you know obviously revealed that his spouse is a man I didn't Um, even get that to be honest because I thought they I thought it was his brother because he I thought there was a girl there as well next to I thought there was a woman but it must have just been an extra walk yeah Yeah, I think so yeah and it kind of cut halfway through see I didn't even notice the wedding ring the only thing I noticed was the picture of his daughter or what what I assume was his daughter on the console yeah when they were panning across and he's he's got the the wedding ring on Um, I can see both sides of it I can see like um, George Takei saying well you know Sulu isn't gay you know that's he played that character for the last 50 years Mm. Gene Roddenberry didn't make him gay he wasn't an advocate for gay rights, he was an advocate for Asian rights. Yeah. Um. So I can understand him coming from that. I think one step at a time. Yeah. As as you know, as not someone as part of the gay community, I I can't tell whether people are going to enjoy that or not. I can I feel like I can see both sides of it. People are going to be happy that the the gay community is being represented, but then there's also a lot of people that are going to say, oh well, you know, Sulu wasn't born gay, now he's just gay, and they'll they'll find a disrespect in that. In the same way, when um, Iceman was, when, you know, they made they made him gay in the in the Marvel comics just recently. There was a lot of furor there of that whole, you know, you're born this way. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there can be there can, there's definitely two sides to the argument, and I can see both sides. I like that you know Simon Pegg's trying to push those boundaries because homophobia is something that that Star Trek has always stick with. There's never been a gay character in Star Trek. They've done odd the odd you know. Um, a particular species has a third gender, like a, mm. you know, that's really sort of um, androgynous and, you know, a guy falling in love with this third gender, he doesn't know whether she's a chick or a dude or, you know, it's little things like that, but there's never been a, a flat out gay character mm. in Star Trek. So I like that he's done that. 
I just feel like it's the wrong vehicle for it. We've got a new Star Trek TV series yeah. uh, coming soon. Write a gay character into that. Um, I think it was good in, in terms of Sulu wasn't defined purely by being a gay man. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't his solid defining quality. And I hope they do that in the new TV series. Um, but you know, I, I like that they're sort of they're pushing those boundaries a little mm. bit. I think well, well I appreciate it. Like as you said, it's, it's Star Trek has always been the one to push boundaries for the last fifty years. Mm. And while this might not have been the biggest step, or it might not even been the right step, when you look at other giant franchises, I listen to a lot of uh, Star Wars podcasts and hardcore, hardcore fans. And there is a gay character in one of the books. Now everything they're doing now, as I've said on this on this uh, podcast for, for every, nearly every episode, something comes up reminds me of it. Everything: video games, comics, books. TV mm. shows, movies, Star Wars, everything that's got a Star Wars label on it from about four years ago is official chronology, canon. It's all part of the mythos. Yeah. But there's one character in one book that's gay. And they're like, this is the first gay Star Wars character. You know, it's sort of like, yeah. it's not a big thing in the book, but it's the first noted gay character in the, that whole universe. You look at Marvel Comics, there's plenty or Marvel the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Mm. Plenty of characters there, plenty of guy characters, even a lot fewer uh, girl characters, obviously. None of them are gay. Mm. As far as giant blockbuster franchises, it's kind of cool. It might be the wrong step to make or a yeah. small step in the right direction. It's still cool that today Star Trek might, is, has taken that step yeah, first. Yeah, it's the first time they've really acknowledged it in a live action. So there's there's a character, um, you know, Neil Madonna? I don't know if that's his last name. He yeah, was Madonna, the, yeah. He was the bad guy in season four of Arrow. Um, you know that guy? Oh, I finished Neil, it season one because it was Neil, just yeah, like, yeah, I found another book. <laughs> well, he actually <laughs> played a character in uh, the, I want to say, eighth Star Trek film, Star Trek First Contact, which is arguably actually the best, the best um, film. And he was like the helm officer in that. Um, and he he's killed in it, but they do. Spoiler alert! I'm not watching now. <laughs> yeah, I guess, I guess I don't need to watch the well, best the, the, Star the, Trek movie. The running joke in the running joke in the running joke in next gen is their helm officer is the red shirt. There's, they never have a standard pilot for the yeah. ship. It's always someone different. Um, and he, but in one of the books, they actually write in the fact that he is in in a relationship with a man. But Star Trek has this amazing. Um, uh, species up their sleeve called the Trill. And now, I send this to you guys as a joke, but there was a joke. Do you remember me sending you um, a gif of two girls making out from Star Trek? Yes. Do you remember I that? I think I do. Yeah. So I didn't want to, I couldn't get into the, into the group <laughs> I message. I think. may have whacked off to <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I've seen so many videos oh, of two hang girls on. kissing lately. Delete, delete, delete. Yeah. <laughs> um, so there's this great species called the Trill, and they're a symbiote species. So imagine like any of us gets put in, implanted with a Trill symbiote. It's like having a whole second brain, a second personality that's, um, that merges with your brain. And then when your body dies, that trill uh, with all your memories and life experiences and, and attitudes and stuff gets put into another host. And so it's like uh, there's a character called uh, Jadzia Dax in DS9, and she is the ninth host of the, of the Dax symbiont. Uh, so what actually happened is she meets this woman, Lanara Khan, and the symbiote inside her is actually those two symbionts used to be married in a previous life. But when they were married, Jadzia was a man and uh, Lanara was a woman. But now, a hundred years later, they're both women. And it's this taboo in their culture to, you know, for the, for the Trill symbiotes to um, meet up with people from their, from their past lives. And, there's this, and at no point during that entire episode is the, the idea of them being two women the problem. Mm. The problem mm. is that the whole point of, of 
being chosen to be a symbiote holder is to these symbiotes are so rare they want to go out and experience as much as possible so you don't want to be living the same life over and over again and all they say is just why can't they be together and and it, at no point do they ever bring up the fact that they're two women and that is the closest star trek has ever gotten to anything close to a, to a homosexual relationship and that was yeah. that was one episode and that was actually believe it or not uh, speaking of arrow the lenara khan character was actually the the woman who plays oliver queen's mother in um yeah right. In uh, Arrow. Yeah, oh, cool. That bitch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you talk about social commentaries, and I th- I think even two weeks ago when I first watched this, uh, it didn't hit me as much as what it did tonight. And again, like it, it's only a, a, a drop in the ocean, and I, I I don't I'm not trying to argue against what you said because no, no, you know no, you got no. the whole history and whatnot. But hearing Kroll, whose goal was to destroy the Federation, because he said that when he was a great soldier, and then the Federation started, and they're like, well, we're... Yeah, let's get we're, back to bagging this film. We're, yeah. we're, <laughs> we're, we're peacemakers now, so you're you're going to be a captain of a ship and go off and explore and, uh, and and meet other civilizations, and let's grow as a race, and as a united you know Federation of Planets and all that. Um, but his idea was, no, we were stronger when there was war happening because we were able to establish ourselves, you know, as the dominant race or whatever. Mm. So his which, goal was to go out there. Which flies in the face of the entire history of Star Trek. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, in terms in terms of the in-universe history. Yeah, right. Um, doesn't doesn't line up at all. When when he would have been alive on Earth. Yeah. There was world peace. Okay. Yeah. But watching it tonight and him talking about that, and I think even yeah, like I said, two weeks ago, it probably didn't make as much noise in my mind as what it does today. When he's there going, no. We're better if we're, you know, if we are fighting with people and mm. we're right and we're establishing dominance and whatnot. Because I think since in the two weeks since I first saw this film, there's been like two or three terrorist attacks, you know, in yeah. the world, which sucks. But it's, you know, again, all this fear. And even here in, in lovely old Australia, you know, a TV host comes out, speaks her opinion, and everyone's, you know, jamming down her throat what's right, what's wrong, and whether you agree with her, whether you don't, whether you think she should have an opinion or she shouldn't, <laughs> all that sort of stuff. You know, like there's every, is everyone's got a, an opinion on her opinion. Yeah. Um, but it, it's, a, it's against the fear. It's like, well, do we. If that is the opinion of fear, do we just side with that because it's easier to hate other people and and try and push them aside or push them out, or do we go for the more peaceful thing and go, no, no, we're just gonna, you know, it's it's like a terrorist isn't a particular. It's gonna leave you guys to brand of people. Yeah. A terrorist is a wit, you know, you know, an yeah. arsehole isn't a race of person. An arsehole is an individual right. or a group of arseholes or whatnot. And so I'm watching this tonight. And I'm like, wow, this is like. It's even more relevant to me tonight than it yeah. was two weeks ago, just because of what the hell's going on. And in the that world. was that one little thread of, oh, that I wish they'd expanded on, because that would have been a really mm. great social commentary yes. of what's going on in the world right now. But I feel it was so buried down because yeah. it's like for the entire film he's been this big ugly alien, and then the very very last minute they reveal, oh, he's actually a human from Earth who used yeah, to be the captain of the starship. He kind of has PTSD, but he thinks we should be at war, and he's going to, and it kind of just gets swept under the rug and moved past. Yeah. And I feel like, well, why couldn't he just have been a rogue captain from the start? Yeah. Why couldn't away. he? Ha- why couldn't he be like the, the mirror image of Kirk? Why you know Kirk, at the start of the film, Kirk was questioning. You know, does he still want to be a captain and have a starship? Are they doing any good out there? Why not have that mirror image of you know this captain who's gone to the dark side? You know, who's who's you know doing all the things that you shouldn't be doing mm. to you know, reinforce Kirk's resolve to go back out there and, and do stuff. So I would have actually preferred if he'd been a human from the start mm. and we'd gotten into that really cerebral, you know, sort of area, which is what Star Trek does. It's very much... And that's, I think, well, like you were saying earlier, Star Trek compared to Star Wars, Star Trek has always been the nerdier one because it, it is so much more cerebral mm. and less hand-to-hand combat sort of stuff that you that you do get in Star Wars. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
so yeah, I wish there's, there's little threads like that in this film that I wish they'd expanded on and actually focused on that more. Hmm. That's what, um, part of this movie that I was disappointed with was I thought they were going off in a weird tangent. I can't remember if we covered this or not. Um, no, we were speaking about there. this. Yeah. Um, but it was when, uh, Jayla said, oh, this is your, this is your ship to Scotty. And then I was thinking, oh shit, this is like. The, the Enterprise, like, uh, in a yeah. hundred years' time in a time dilation field or something mm. like that. I'm like, oh, this is so cool. <laughs> I hope William Shatner's in this or something, <laughs> you know, coming out, which would have been f***ing sweet. But no, it was but just, a, it's just a, a ship massive, that was crashed, but yeah. it wasn't damaged and yeah, it was fine. Not that one. Mitch and I were actually talking about this yesterday when it was revealed that um, Chris Hemsworth looks to be coming back for Star Trek Four as, you know... Um, George Captain, Kirk. As George Kirk. Uh, okay. And we're going, oh, well, is, is it going to be a time travel story? And, and we're thinking about it and I was going, well... Probably not because, you know, the whole point of the first film was when the Kelvin was destroyed, it, it skewed them into an alternate reality and they sort of just went, well, we have to accept that this is different. Hmm. So it's like, well, going back at a time pre-Kelvin, which is when, you know, George Kirk was killed, would alter the timeline yet again. Yep. So if Chris Hemsworth is going to be in the fourth it's film. It's just going to be. I feel like it's going to be like uh, Batman v Superman. Yeah, it's going to be on, on, on the, the mountaintop mountain mountain, talking to a memory of Russell, him and, yeah. um, and that sort of thing. But yeah, I would have liked some kind of real heavy sci-fi element. Like, yeah, mm. like a, a. Yeah, well, that's the whole idea of it, right? If you have a series, a TV series, you can, you do almost whatever. If you have a movie, you have to make it this epic thing. It's mm. so out there. Like Stargate Continuum was like a full time travel mm. thing. Yeah. And it was awesome, almost ruined the whole, the whole series yeah. or I, whatever. I feel like these films, and they do mention it, like I, I gave Chris Pine shit earlier about his comment about um, episodic, you know, saying, oh, all these missions are feeling very episodic, which was kind of like a wink wink to the audience. So I'm yeah. like, get it? Because there's a TV series that, and they're, and they're episodes. <laughs> yeah. Get it? Get it? And it's like, I feel like, you know, when the first Star Trek films came out, there was a TV series on, you know, while the next generation was on in the 80s. Um, set in, you know, like the 2360s, there was also Kirk and O'Hu and all of those set, you know, 100 years before that yeah. doing their films. So there was, you had a TV series and a um, and a movie series to the point where the seventh film, Generations, is they actually come together. And the next, it's it's the final film with Shatner and, and Nichelle Nichols and stuff. And they quite literally hand the film over mm. to Patrick Stewart and, and the Next Generation crew and they do the next three or four films. So, oh, okay. given That's that cool. there's not a Star Trek TV series on TV at the moment, it's it was another one of those sort of little nods that I just didn't, I didn't get. I feel like these films would would be more fun because there are some fun elements in there. Yeah, I feel like they would resonate better if there was a TV series running parallel to them that you know they could they could play with. But there's not, so it's very odd. Hmm. So what do you what do you? Well, I'm hoping that the next Star Trek series is after Voyager. It has to be. I mean, after Voyager, well, they did a prequel with Enterprise, which was referenced quite heavily in this film. Yeah. Um, which, again, I thought was odd that they referenced the the worst Star Trek series, the failed one that killed <laughs> the franchise. Yeah. That's the movie, the, the, the film, the TV shows they're going to reference. Um, yeah, whatever this new TV series is, I really hope it it's set after the 2370s, after Voyager and, and all that sort of stuff. A lot of people, and what people have been wanting for many, many years is there's there's a great episode in, in Voyager um, called Relativity. And instead of, you know, the, these spaceships exploring space, there's a spaceship called Relativity and it's a time ship and it explores time in a much better way than Legends of Tomorrow does. <laughs> um, so the theory is, well, that would be a really cool series if they could get enough ideas is, you know... Um, Traveling through time and correcting, you know, errors to the timeline and things like that. But yeah. Plot holes in previous yeah. movies. And stuff <laughs> yeah, like, like why the Klingons are smooth-headed in the original series <laughs> yeah. and suddenly have big foreheads, which they yeah. did address in Enterprise. 
Well, they have confirmed that it is going. It's it's new characters, new missions, yeah. new ship, like everything about it. Which which is probably the best thing you can do. Like, yeah. I know a lot of what they're doing in these new movies. You know, you don't like because it contradicts stuff, which sucks in the overall arc. Because as much as Star Trek 09 was a reboot, it's still a sequel because you've got old Spock. Like you, yeah. you could essentially watch that in that order from original to uh, Nemesis was the tenth one. Was that yes. Nemesis? Yeah, and then. Without that mid-scene where you see old Spock travel back in time... You would still need to have seen all seven seasons of The Next Generation to understand the Leonard Nimoy Spock coming through. Sure, yeah. yeah. But even so, like it's it's you can watch that movie just as, a, as the first film in the entire franchise if you want, mm. or you can watch it as the 11th, which yeah. which I think is great. And Obviously, great I haven't seen Star it as the Trek. 11th because I own the film seven years and haven't watched it. And I said to you, to try and get you into Star Trek, I said, like, I will give you my top 10 episodes of Star Trek. And like... I was saying before, the first yeah, episode of Star it. Trek I ever watched was episode 16 of season four or something like that of Voyager. Um, and I just watched them all. Because back when these were done in the 80s and 90s, it was all about syndication. It wasn't like your mm. arrows and your flashes where it's there was a cliffhanger at the end of every episode to try and trick you into watching the next episode. It was just standalone stories that could yeah. be played in any order Yeah. to the point where um, Star Trek seasons one and uh, Star Trek Voyager seasons one and two were actually aired out of order. So it's like they were they filmed, you know, season one and season two. They played the first half of season one, then played, you know, random episodes from season two, and there's episodes from season one and two <laughs> in season two. It's hmm. and it and it's fine. Like you don't notice it because yeah. of because of the way that these episodes are done and the writing the way it's done. The recent X Files revival series, like it went I think what, six episodes, I think it lasted. Yeah. Uh, well not last, that, that was their plan. They're coming back again. But um they premiered it. I think they're even in episode two and they decided to play episode five as episode three because whatever was going on with the ratings, whether they were they were spike. They were going up, and they go. Oh, we need to keep them on board. We need to give them another big episode to keep them hanging around because episode three, as we'd intended it, is a bit slow. So we don't want them dropping off. And I'm like, wow, how do you go and actually film a six episode miniseries, and then nearly halfway through, you decide to play it out of Should order. Mm. Don't know, go away. Don't go away. Watch this bit. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and for it all to still make sense and wrap up all the same, you know. So yeah, I love that. Like I love that. You know, so much praise is heaped on so many franchises these days about being these shared universes, but Star Trek's been doing it for fifty years. You know, yeah. so um, yeah, I mean, I, I I I promise that between this Star Trek Beyond and whatever Star Trek Four is going to be, I will have seen more than just the three Kelvin timeline Star Trek films, whatever that I, may be. I doubt that. You doubt? Uh, sure. Yeah. Well, the other big um, news that we teased, I think, in the uh, in the non spoilers, is that yet yeah, there was heaps of news that come out. News that came out yesterday, uh, our time. This is we're recording this Wednesday night. Yesterday, our time. You can check out the full story on uh, getintogeek.com, Is that they announced Star Trek Four is happening? Chris Hemsworth's coming back. Chris Pine will be in it. The rest of the cast is expected to, but they're not guaranteed or uh, not confirmed. Um, but also that the new series outside of the US and, and uh, Canada will be shown on Netflix. I'm yeah. really the happy world. about that because yeah, I was really awesome. worried because it's not being on a on a traditional. Um, yeah, it's on a stream. It's on CBS broadcasting yeah. um, service. Like you know, wasn't it? I was really worried how I was going to get to see it here in Australia. Yeah, because yeah. God so. forbid we have to, you know, go underground and stop, you know, borrowing <laughs> off friends of pirate because none of us do it because that's naughty and stuff. No but it's on uh, <laughs> Netflix, and also is that why they 
released everything, I assume. Yeah, the and I'd say yeah, it's be- part of the deal with Netflix yeah. is yeah. they've given them. Same with um not to bring it up again, but Gilmore Girls yeah. is because they've got the Netflix revival of Gilmore Girls coming out at the end of the year, they've just released um Gilmore by the end of well, the year they said Gilmore Girls will available well, on, if every, go on every Netflix to sequels on the you, in in the world. Did you catch Full House? The, yeah, the <laughs> I did actually. Full <laughs> House, so that all <laughs> that all belongs to Netflix Arrested Development. Netflix have only made series four, but they own all four series now. Uh, but yeah, all 727 previous episodes of Star Trek television mm. will be on Netflix Australia by the end of 2016. Dang. And there's about 300 good ones. Well, what? <laughs> <laughs> That's what? more than you've said in the past. That's what I love it. You're like, oh, f***ing oh, hardcore Trekkie. I love Trekkie. Only two of the movies are good and about 57 oh, episodes no, there's, are great. There's four, four of the movies are good. Yeah, four, yeah, yeah, yeah. Seven, eight, nine, ten are good. Yeah. Nine, six. Sure. Yeah. You just have to slog through the first half or not bother. Well, one, everyone skips. Star Trek The Motion Picture, everyone skips. Two, two, three, and four line up together. So two was The Wrath of Khan, which yep. Star Trek Into Darkness sort mm. of, you know. Um, three, The Search for Spock, and four, The Voyage Home. Those three are basically, it's, they're almost like episodes. They're like, on trilogy like, or something. It's yeah. like episodes of Game of Thrones. It's just one leads into the other, leads into the other. Yeah, right. um, and then you skip um, Star Trek V. You always skip Star Trek V. <laughs> <laughs> because it was directed by William Shatner, and they uh, travel oh. to the, the centre of the universe to find God. Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he's a big Oh well he's not here Let's turn around yeah. <laughs> and he's, and It turned big... out to be Just a f***ing giant black hole And they no, all died he's a, he's a big floaty head With him It's just It's terrible oh, Really? I've, yeah. nev- I've never made it to the end you, William Shatner. Uh, Nichelle Nichols is a, like an 80-year-old woman. Uh, does the, oh, now I hate him. I'm glad he wasn't in this f***ing movie. 80-year-old Nichelle Nichols with her grey hair does a naked fan dance oh, I can to get distract into that. some Love people. Love naked women. <laughs> yeah, shit. I mean, woman, if my girlfriend is listening. <laughs> She's not. Okay. <laughs> Plenty of naked women there. <laughs> Excessive amounts. <laughs> you were talking earlier about, uh, I think it might have been off mic when we were talking about, you know, um, the the timeline of the, the Krell character, whatever it is, when he was mm. a human and all that sort of stuff, the way it ties in. And it does tie in uh, a majority to Enterprise, in ter- even uh, back into the first Star Trek film, uh, when Simon Pegg is, you know, marooned on that um, ice planet. Mm. And that's because he teleported Admiral Archer's dog and they still haven't found it yet. Well, Admiral Archer was the Captain Archer in Enterprise. So yeah, that's right. why it's sort of set in, in that timeline. Oh, okay. Um, and so that's the problem I had with this film is it didn't really sort of line up. He did reference the Zindi attack, which was a big part of um, seasons three and four of Enterprise. Uh, or no, two and three maybe. Um, but they talk about him being in a, in a warp four ship. Well, that that would have predated Captain Archer. Captain Archer had the first warp five ship. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, the the Enterprise, the 1701 that the Kirk's got, can do warp seven or eight or whatever it is. And he's at the absolute reach. As he's been traveling for three years to get where he is. And this little warp four ship is somehow already out there, already waiting Yeah, what did he say? Them. Something about a wormhole. That's... Are we talking about oh, this yeah, wormhole displacement or something? Yeah. Like, yeah. On the planet. Yeah, that's that's not a bad thought. Um, he did say, you know, that the, the Krell, when he was a human captain, sort of it predated um, Starfleet. Yeah. But the uniforms that they were wearing... Oh, we have to get to the uniforms. <laughs> uh, the uniforms that Simon Pegg and, and um, Spock found on the ship that they changed into had the Starfleet insignia on them. It's yeah. like during Enterprise, they didn't have that little the little arrow that you were wearing earlier tonight, Mitch. That's the Starfleet insignia, the little Chevron arrow. Yeah. Uh, during Enterprise, they didn't have that. They had they had the United Federation of Planets logo mm. and the little Enterprise thing. Starfleet didn't exist yet. It was actually created in the final episode of Enterprise. Sure. So it's like for those uniforms to have been 
to have the Starfleet logo on it would have had to have happened after Enterprise, at which point that Warp 4 ship wouldn't have existed. So there's just these weird inconsistencies. Yeah, okay. And he's talking about war. The best Star Trek film I was talking about earlier, Star Trek First Contact, is actually uh, the Borg go back in time to prevent humans from meeting Vulcans because basically basically World War Three has happened on Earth. It's a po- post-apocalyptic world. Zephram Cochram discovers how to break the warp barrier and travel faster than light. The Vulcans detect it because they're the ones that have the prime directive we spoke earlier about not interfering with, with lower species who have That's the Vulcans. Yeah, so okay. the Vulcans started that prime directive. So that, that don't interfere with any species that haven't developed faster than light travel yet that they can travel to other planets. The Vulcans detect our very, very first warp flight and land and make first contact with humans that ushers in world peace, famine, war, hunger, disease are all obliterated. Yeah. And Gene Roddenberry's vision, because that's what happened is back in the 60s and 70s, all the sci-fi was all post-apocalyptic and such a down, even um, the Twilight Zone and things like that, it was all about you know these terrible things that happened. Yeah. Gene Roddenberry wanted to project a positive um, view of the future. So that's why it was everything was positive and it was world peace and humans had evolved past the need. Like Kirk doesn't get paid. No one gets paid in the in Star Trek universe. Yeah, it's, no, it's the no. reason they're doing this is to expand our knowledge of the universe and, and to better ourselves as humans. Well, which is what explorers did back in the day, right? Exactly. Just yeah. It's that, you know, you, you do it you know, reason. to better yourselves. So that was so that's why the Borg tried to stop this. So once once the Vulcans landed and we found out aliens actually existed in the universe, war ended on Earth. So that's why I don't understand this Krull as a human talking about we were better when we were at war, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Was he, he talking about Vol- uh, the, the... um? Well, he's human, so he referenced he's from. He referenced the Romulan yeah, and, the, and the Zindi Wars that yeah. both took place during Enterprise. They were not wars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a Romli- Romulan temporal Cold War, but there was never any ground troops invading planets or anything like that. And the Zindi attack was quite literally basically what happened in, I think, Star Trek 1 or Star Trek 2. There was this big um, beam from orbit that basically cut a big swath through like most of um, South America and Florida and stuff and killed millions of people. But then the Enterprise was assigned to go and chase down the Zindi. And there was a Zindi war in space. None of it happened on Earth. So I don't understand why he's talking about these wars. A war oh, never, I, I didn't. I didn't. Yeah, I didn't. So a the, war never took place with the Zindi. It was yeah. the Enterprise went and found the Zindi to yeah. to um, make peace with them and and get revenge. Yeah, there was ne- there was never any. Uh, towards the very very end of Enterprise, there was a second ship to look like Enterprise called the Columbia, named after the the Columbia shuttle crash. That was their way of honouring that. Hmm. Was the second ship, you know, that that humans had created themselves to go out and explore the universe. So I don't know where this Krull as a human captain with his ship of, of and crew with his I don't know where that came from. Yeah. And the the uniforms they were wearing very much honored um the uniforms made on Enterprise. It very it looked like it could be a scene taken out of Enterprise with those uniforms they were wearing. Oh the grey ones. So, yeah. So right. like the jumpsuits. So they've they've honored it, but I don't know why? Like they've they've done <laughs> yeah. it, but they've done it wrong. It's yeah. it's like Simon Pegg saw two episodes of Enterprise and goes, "Oh yeah, I've got this. I'll just write this in." <laughs> but hasn't I got actually, this. Hasn't this is seen an it just Star Trek. It's a they prequel. Won't, they yeah. won't notice. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> like fit, like hardcore. Yeah. So yeah. What about this... your nitpick, mate? Oh, where do I start? When you get a problem with everything, I want to know what your tiny little nitpick is. In okay, this. so Krull needed, uh, he had his swarm army and he needed this special MacGuffin <laughs> weapon to, to take out the big space station. Yeah. But his swarm and his ship just punctured straight through the, um, the door anyway mm. and he could have taken out the entire space station 
without the yeah without the swarm. No, they, they, no, they played, thing. They played oh. heavy metal music. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I called Lincoln um, on the way. So look, I want to go into this movie looking for the clues. What song is that main one? The one that they did. Uh, classical sabotage. music. Sabotage. Class, yeah, this is classical music. <laughs> where, you know, yes. hardcore rap is classical music, yet fucking leather jackets are still in. Yeah. Like, I didn't get that. <laughs> uh, which, oh, by the way, so they... will never get old. <laughs> yeah. So, they, so Shakespeare, apparently. <laughs> yeah. It's Kirk is in his, like, yellow bridge uniform. He jumps into the escape pod and lands on the planet, and there's a... Ch- there's a change of clothes in the escape pod for him. Yeah. Like there's the blue pants, the black skivvy, and then the black jacket that he changes. Because when my ship's been destroyed and I crash on an alien <laughs> yeah. planet, we we the first thing I want on. is a you wanna, fresh set of clothes. Well, you want to look good. Well, I'm if you're using it, some hard aliens. You never know who you're going to meet. I want to strip you, down to my underwear <laughs> as soon as I open up this escape pod and change yeah. in the forest. Well, if you're using an escape pod, chances are you've shit yourself. <laughs> 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 no, that was a massive thing. I actually called Lincoln on the way to this the screening tonight, and I said, "Look, I want to go in and look for the setup to this problem. If you can solve it for me now, then great." I said, mm. "But he seemingly, because he had been there for around a hundred years or something, as we got the idea that the yeah. Franklin had landed mm. about a hundred years ago, uh, or crash landed mm. rather." Did that exist anyway for the Franklin, the USS Franklin that mm, you were aware of? Not that I'm aware. But of. But we all heard it in friggin' school or whatever. I was like, "Oh, really?" What? No, that's what I'm saying. So for the Franklin Kirk said he is. We've all heard of the Franklin. Yeah. So the Franklin uh, was, was the warp, infamous. The Franklin was the warp four ship that's never existed before yeah. because the Enterprise was a warp five, was a Mark five, you know, warp, yeah. uh, warp engine. So it was made to look like a ship around about the time of Archer and the Enterprise, but it never yeah. would have never would have actually doesn't been work. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, about a hundred years or whatever. So he's seemingly they've been there. He's his rage has been growing. He's pissed off, and he said, "Look, I don't know if I'll ever get off here. I don't know if you'll ever see me again. But if you do, you better be ready because I'm angry and I'm coming at you." And then he seemingly found the first piece of this device. He studied because he's had enough time to sit there and research and study this alien language, or maybe the drones helped out somehow. Like he was able to through them learn about the original. You mean the drones that he could have just gotten into the ship and flown off like he did at the end of the film? Yeah, yeah, no, I'm somehow trapped yeah, yeah. on the yeah, planet. I'm not, as I'm saying, is that he's there, he's he's found this half this weapon, and he said, I've been searching for it for lifetimes, like n- not really, like maybe <laughs> yeah. maybe two yeah. and a half lifetimes, like of you know varied age people to destroy people. the brand new space station like, that's apparently just popped up have, in the neighborhood. Yeah. Well, no, he obviously he wanted no, he wanted to destroy the Federation, but that would they, he said that's a great target or whatever the case. But yeah, that's another that's another mm. issue on top of it. But he's like, I've been searching for it, not really, because you're stuck on this one planet. But then because he's been channeling through the little devices that the Federation had sent out to try and chart uncharted space within that um, the nebula uh, through those and piggybacking off the next one and the next one he's gotten through to the um, the, the, the uh, Elysium um, I don't know how because they weren't able to pick up anything mm. within the nebula from outside but somehow he's able to pick up stuff from outside being inside it whatever yeah. um, because science <laughs> yeah, so as soon as those little episode two Star Wars creatures denied the weapon, he's given it. To, uh, Kirk's given it to Spock. Spock's put it in the uh, in the hold, and when he's done that, he's he's he's, he's logged it because he's he's very you know particular. And through doing that, it's you know transferred into the Federation um, stronghold, their database. database. It's went back to crawl. It's up in the cloud. Whatever. It's up in the cloud now. now we know what the cloud looks like. <laughs> yeah. It's full of lightning and asteroids. <laughs> yeah, that's I actually mean, yeah. Well. J.J. Abrams, you know, Star Trek does look like an Apple store, so... <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> and um, he's found out, so he's like, he's drawn them in by sending out old Gilnek um, to draw them back in. <laughs> 
so it's like okay, he was he was seemingly just going to wait there until he died or someone else discovered him in 100 200 years, but somehow this weapon has found him and but mutated right. him into this weird it's, it's, alien that could absorb you know, he's, he's suddenly like, he's like a um, energy wraith from, you know, yeah. Atlantis yeah. or something. <laughs> Which, yeah. yeah, they touched on, didn't explain. It was just explained enough but to go, oh, he, he looks different. Yeah, mm. sucking on to change into the native. He said the natives left the planet. Yep. In the, in there the was literally world. only three lot. When they and first then who looked- were the other two random people who were attacking Scotty? Did they come back into it? Well, that was his one. That was his oh, offside. Yeah, no, because there was... Three of them? It was oh my three god! Of them. I yeah. think three of them. I think I can actually give this this a little bit of credit. Oh. This film. Well, we're bagging it. Well, no, it just, <laughs> yeah. it just, it just occurred to me. It just occurred because I was saying, well, why the hell was he keeping all all these prisoners on the planet? Because he wasn't putting them to work. He's going to do them. anything. Maybe they were just food. Oh, of yeah. Course, yeah. And that that hadn't occurred to me till just now. Yeah. But he knew by. Dr- oh, at but same it's like time, you've like... got you've got to feed all those people to keep them alive. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. So and I he, feel like it's it's like the matrix. Got to put pro- them to work. It's the matrix problem where you know the humans are supposed to be the batteries but they'd use more power to keep the humans alive to make the power. Yeah. Yeah. It's the same thing. He'd have to use all these food and resources to keep all these prisoners alive so yeah. that they're alive when he wants to eat them And himself. he also knew that on that ship where all these people came from was the weapon that he needed to then go f- leave the planet and destroy the Federation like he always wanted. He didn't need them except for a few of them to threaten to kill so that the weapon would be given so up. So he must have been able to leave the planet because he's been Absolutely saying, could. I've been looking for this. Yeah, so well, how he, can he you flew look his for ship to Elysium like, yeah. so he can leave the planet. It's yeah. fine. Yeah. Yeah. Like, but when we first introduced the swarm, we're like, oh, and then we get told that he's been stuck on, you know, we find out he's been stuck on this planet. You're like, oh, okay, maybe they can't leave space for a prolonged amount of time or something like that. But then by the end of the film, you realise this weapon's got nothing to do with allowing them to leave the nebula itself and they're going yeah. to attack and like you said they did some pretty sweet damage on their own they didn't need that bloody uh, the, 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 the ether MacGuffin. essentially yeah, the, the ether, ether MacGuffin yeah. to destroy the fa- they could have done it a lot slower but they still well, could well, have no, done they, it they were attacking the shields on the outside whereas he just took his ship and flew it straight through the yeah. um, I mean it had been it the was Battlestar being... Galactica Viper launcher because mm. for some reason starships yeah. can be launched like that like yeah. they're in a slingshot um and he just it had, he just went straight through. That it. bit had been attacked though, because when you saw a lot of their swarm punching, and they got, we've only got sixty seconds left. I'm like, how do you how know do you that? Know? That's mm. an but, number. So a lot of his robotic <laughs> drones were just being thrown at yeah. that door, and then luck had it that he like had two others on his side when everything else was getting destroyed. He threw mm. two more at it, drove through it, and it was weak enough to allow him. So yeah, yeah. like. But then the rest of the swarm could have simply just followed him in and just trashed. Well, I think up by that inside. stage, like. He was on his way away from the the the, the sea fire, um, mm. so all the rest of the swarm was actually in the process of blowing up. It was yeah. him and two others. But he could have done it a week ago before the Enterprise was there to get to. He could know, have. He didn't have the ether. Oh, sorry, the Franklin or whatever. But in. yes, yeah, like he could have left and done that ages ago. And um, mm. like you didn't need that weapon to destroy them. You could have just destroyed them a no. different way. It was just it was a red herring to try and throw us off what was happening and yeah. It was all just a lot of stuff that didn't need to happen. Yeah, and like you said, you would have liked that he uh, was revealed as human earlier on. I, I kind of don't like that he. Within the story, I guess it kind of works, but why did he? Yeah, I, I don't so like he that became he became human again because he ate the humans. Is that? Yeah, it's like he, he he had a real good feed, and it was just enough to. It's uh, not that you have to look normal when you're walking around, because yeah. you know he only had to get away from the <laughs> Enterprise crew. To blend in, yeah, yeah. No one else knows what he looks like, yeah. um, or what he's supposed a, to look like. Yeah, not wear a Starfleet shirt; he would yeah. have been fine. 
And he was wearing it. Didn't he have a captain's one? He obviously yeah. went into Kirk's, yeah. or you know, yeah. not to Kirk's, but into um, his own. You know, yeah. um, you know, made sure he, he wore that shirt to uh... wore the updated uniform. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know. Um, and, and the music thing, like you know, I know that everyone panned the first trailer because it was just sort of an action montage and. You know, oh, the motorcycle. Old... I blocked out the motorcycle. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> what? We've come around to it. The it motorcycle that had been sitting there for a hundred years, <laughs> and suddenly he's, he's freaking Kerry Hart doing backflips on it. Steve McQueen. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Kick straight over. Oh, God. Hang on. But, he... but hey, but hey, look, you know, it, you know maybe in did fairness, he beam him that, in? that bike. Did he get beamed in? That's what I was like. What the f? Did he get beamed in and then when he, he was yeah. moving? He was, quick? Yeah, yeah. That I only picked up oh, tonight. I'm like, how did you start yeah, going f- so fast? He's like, you ready? All right, go. This is going to be awesome. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because make sure you do it or I run into that. If the f- was wall. on the ground, he could have driven the bike out of the. Um, well, unless they beamed him, they would have had to have beamed him from the ship on top of the mountain <laughs> onto a flat somewhere so he could start riding yeah. to get his momentum up just so that he could make that cool entrance yeah. moving <laughs> when he arrived. When the camera's there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But, oh but it was definitely the beam, like the yeah beaming. Yeah, he was beaming. Yeah, he was beaming. Because it wasn't her technology. Yeah, that's her. what I thought. I thought it was her technology, so they were camouflaged. I think no. it, the very first so, shot was him beaming uh, in. They beamed in with her on the back seat. She threw out her little holographic projectors, which yeah. is about four hundred years too advanced for where they are in this universe. <laughs> yeah, um, it's there's quite literally in Voyager. There's a, a holographic projector that they're, they're in the in the twenty three seventies. They have to get it from the twenty seventh century for one yeah, of their okay. holog- anyway. Um, <laughs> that's probably where she's so from she then. jumps yeah. off the back of the bike and throws the holographic decoys so there's like three of them riding around but then i think they use her position to then beam in um Chekhov and spock or mm. whatever um to her location yeah. because reasons yeah Be- because they they know it looked cool they yeah. no sooner said we can't just beam them out where they are because something is you know blocking us essentially mm. but then yeah, they the immediately lead. started talking about how we could Beam people in and beam people out. Yeah. Obviously, in a slightly different area, but, but it they wasn't like even they went undercover. It, like, oh, that was convenient, or yeah. anything like that. Like it was. Yeah, just like... it was like it was like um, when it was convenient for the plot. Scotty had to beam Spock out and then beam McCoy, and he's like, "Well, yeah. I didn't want you to splice." Blah blah blah. Yeah. Oh, just for the game. And then Kirk's mm. like, "Oh, get working on those transporters." And two minutes later, he can beam can them twenty, 20 at, a at a time. time. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and then, oh, the um, they could have made it nineteen just to the make little, it a little bit more realistic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the little, yeah, it's like it's like three hundred years from now they have trouble being twenty people at a yeah. time. Um, the little double agent that is sent in that has the little vocal modulator. So what that actually is is the universal translator, which has always been a bit of a weird thing with Star Trek because they meet an alien race for the first time and they both speak perfect English. Yeah. So that was their way of going, okay, well, she is speaking her native tongue. The little thing on her throat is translating and putting it out in this monotone computerized voice. Problem is there is how does she understand the English? She doesn't speak yeah. English. They don't have <laughs> universal translators spouting out um, what we're saying. What we're saying. So the only thing you can infer is, okay, so maybe she has an earpiece, which yep. is hearing the English language and translating it in her ear. But, so she's hearing it. But then why would why would then she need the thing on her shirt to, to vocalize what she's saying? Why wouldn't Kirk and Maca- and Kirk and yeah, Susan just have, have those well. earpieces as well? It's, yeah, it right. just, well, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, but her knowing English, isn't she a human? Isn't she one of the Kroll? Like, isn't she one of Kroll's people? Well, that was never established. I know it's never she, established. She has but her, her sob story yeah. of he he did this to my people as well. Yeah, and you um, didn't see her people. No, no. So yeah. that from when I when mean, she theoretically because there's her, 
there's Krull, and then there's the guy that looks like Krull, but is slightly differently... That killed yeah. white girls, um, yeah. people. Yeah, but when she... So, theoretically, those two people could be his crew, but yeah. they never actually established that she was working with him from the start legitimately. All they yeah. ever tell you is that... She was, was lying. Co- she was coerced yeah. into doing it to protect her people. Yeah, well, was... I just figured, because they didn't... They're not trying to make it more complicated. That is the simplest answer, is that she's one of his people. So that's how I took it, because they weren't... But you need to tell us that. Yeah. Well, I think if it's... A, she, yeah. she gave us she gave us a bluff story. Yeah. Then she gave us the second story that we're assuming is the truth, but, he, but then you're saying now that that was another bluff. Mm. We never got the real story. I, I thought once you, you found out that the second story was actually a bluff, that the fact that she's there tr- then trying to kill them alongside... Kroll's people mm. made her one of Kroll's people. Mm. Like it sucks that they That's all the, those. I, I didn't yeah. think that. Yeah, I, assume that. yeah. I, I just assume, and again that might be wrong, and that most might be old cliches from other movies where. Well, yeah, it but is. It, but again, okay. That no, but that, 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 that's what's teaching me that yeah. is that yeah. That doesn't explain the English problem because, as far as Starfleet is concerned, they've never met this race before. Mm. There's no way she. Oh, could. let's just go help this. There's, there's yeah. no way she could know English when she if was, she yeah. understood English. Yeah, yeah. No, I know that. I know. I know that from their point Sorry, of view, Reece, that's an issue. I'll get in there. What's that? What's that? What you do from a few episodes ago? Where you turn your head sideways? Yeah, so yeah. You yeah. Get a word in. <laughs> no, when when she was first on the ship and they had the uh, universal translator um, like bubble around. Yeah, her. yeah. Before that, was wasn't she trying to? I, I sort yeah, of she was talking in she was a ship, speaking English, and they said speak normally. No, no, that was that point where she's in that bubble. They had the um, uh, distress call from her where the face was all morphing in and out of, of weird things. Uh, okay. And, and they've you... rescued her from that. And then as Kirk and the Admiral are walking in and the little, when they they say speak normally, uh, and that's okay. when she's speaking through the little holographic thing. So she understood him perfectly. Yeah. yeah. So at no point have they <laughs> have they established in the, in the universe how she understands English. Mm. And if they've met this woman and she's understanding their English without a universal translator, wouldn't that be a red flag? Mm. Oh no, absolutely. No, yeah, I agree so from that from that point of view. To, yeah. To go to because it's something that Star Trek has always sort of ignored. is that what they do though? Just send like billion dollar ships into a nebula that they've never traversed before and just believe some woman who's coming attacking the new space station yes let's do it gang because because they do have this you know let's go out and make the universe a better place and and help people they do but they're not precautious more more often than not they go in quite naive and get double crossed because it is at the end of the day it is fiction so that's a, a compelling story but more often than not they do get double crossed or you know yeah. made to look like the fools and but you know they always come good at the end because that's what I like about, like we were saying, the whole premise of Star Trek, the Prime Directive, and that they mm. actually are the bomb. Like, they're the, yeah. the shit in the universe. Oh, wait, wait till you get, to the, wait till get this, the, to the Voyager episode, the Omega Directive. Ooh, nice. That's all I'm going to say. Because <laughs> <laughs> none of you will understand but that's Because Reese didn't know. So, like, when they fucked up the Enterprise, you're like, this is a big deal because, mm. like, this yeah, is the Enterprise. Has... Yeah, no, I figured it was. Uh... Yeah. Which oh, has which, saucer yeah. separation capabilities for some... Oh, I'm in the wrong room to talk about this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't they do that in the first movie? No, it's only been... Um, Second movie? Picard, so so Patrick Stewart's um, ship was the first one to do saucer separation. Ah, uh, okay. Um, That's where I Which is 150 years from now. Yeah. In Star Trek Seven, it does the saucer separation, crash lands on a planet, and is f***ed up beyond all recognition. Um, so again, that's another element that they've just taken from... You know, from another. It's just this new ship doesn't film. do it now. The well, ship it's, that they made it's it an older ship. Movie it's this, this ship this. is 150 <laughs> years before Patrick Stewart's ship. Yeah, or 100 years I'm, before something like that. That's what I mean. But now it suddenly has source separation capabilities. And yeah. 
because yeah, they were asking to do that, weren't they? They were trying to do that, yeah. and it ended up happening anyway. Because the because I thought I don't know, maybe I'd, yeah, it was which wrong? Wasn't he trying to climb into something in the second one? Well, no. The, so the ship's cut in half. Okay. So basically, um, quite literally, the saucer of the ship is called the saucer section. Yeah. And then there's a star drive section. So the swarm took off the warp nacelles, which they're like, oh, we have no warp capabilities. Is you know what Sulu is, and yeah. then they cut to a shot of the impulse drive shutting down, which is a whole other issue that we'll get. Um, <laughs> but basically, is the source in, in times of dire, you know, if the if the warp core is about to breach, the saucer separates, yeah. um, so the saucer can fly away at impulse and doesn't have warp capabilities to save people. Yeah. The whole point of that being on the next generation is because that was a ship of over a thousand people that had. Um, civilians on board. There were families mm. and, and research people and stuff like that. This is a purely military vessel. And on purely military vessels, they don't have source of separation. Because, yeah, okay. you know, you stay at your post. If there's something going wrong, yeah. you stay at your post. And that was the whole point of the Enterprise D with, with Patrick Stewart is all the officers go to the part that's in trouble with the warp drive and they send the source section away to safety right. with all the civilians that's on board. That's where I knew that So from. it makes no yep. sense for this to have a source of separation except for fan service. So they, they are a military... Yes. Wing. Right. Um, yeah, basically. Um, so the, the United Federation of Planets well, is the, the space version of the UN. Yeah. So it's all these different planets coming together. There's actually like a president of Earth. So there's not a president of America and you know, there's no doubt it's from America because they are the yeah. president. No, yeah. that's the thing is they Independence they... Day established it, Matty. Move on. Move on. In the Star Trek the president In the Star Trek universe, the, the president of Earth can't actually be from Earth. So suck it. Um, yeah. Well, that doesn't make sense. Yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> you meant to represent us. It's it's tokenism. Um, so there's plot. the United Federation of Planets, which is like the UN. So it's a group of like-minded um, states or you know planets of, of different species and, and nationalities. And Starfleet is the military and science branch of that. So their ships, they build some ships for military purposes and some ships for scientific exploration. Hmm. Um, and it's so always, it's, it's like I, it's like NASA and the Navy combined. I assumed that. Humans created Starfleet. Obviously not. Uh, no. The the three governing bodies of Starfleet was the humans, the Vulcans, and I believe the Andorians. Okay. But yeah, so that's what Starfleet is. It's it's scientific exploration and military. You basically you have to go to school, you have to go to college, and then you go to Starfleet Academy. Which is amazing because yeah, that little tiny CGR thing was already in the academy. Oh, right at, at the at end the when end. he's wearing the shirt and no yeah. pants, but he's clearly wearing like a Star Trek shirt. Yeah. I was like, oh, is he? I just thought they put it like yeah. on a pet, like how you put a jumper on a dog or something. That, that was like, quite yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was And his name was oh, Kevin. It's like, oh, you, you hate us. Says, I see you're still not wearing pants, Kevin. Yeah. <laughs> like, what a great name. It's Classic like, you hate Kevin. us, you attacked me. <laughs> we didn't return you to your home planet before yeah. we left orbit. We just kidnapped you. Yeah. And we'll just keep you as a pet. Yeah. There's two random dudes chasing you down a hallway. Yeah, you're with us. Yeah. You lead out of that bowl. It's like Scotty's going to Layla or whatever her name is. Oh, you're our family now. It's like, come on, man. You've known her for five seconds. She can yeah. yeah, but she's hot. Well, yeah. <laughs> really? You like tribal tattoos all over uh, the face? Yeah. I'd do that. <laughs> now, hang on, Reese. Your girlfriend's listening again. Uh, that's right. She can know. <laughs> Honey, if I ever get trouble three years warp speed, I'm banging that alien. If there, it's happening. If there's aliens that come to Earth, I'm single straight up. <laughs> No, you're lucky to be the aliens from um, Mars Attacks or something. Like oh, yeah. That. yeah. Or, I'll do it. I don't Starship care. Troopers. Galaxy Quest. <laughs> oh, Starship Troopers. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be that big the vagina-faced <laughs> alien with the... 
Oh well, yeah, listen, we're we're have to style. You get laid and murdered immediately. Yeah, full body con, you just dive in head first. <laughs> this is so invigorating. Get in deep. I love bathing in plasma. <laughs> <laughs> I reckon I have my own. I think I was close to having my own like little nitpick in a way, and it was the first time oh, I watched it. You know, it's Mitch's nitpick. <laughs> was watching, ju- and it's probably I should have had this problem with every other alien I've ever seen in any other film, I guess. But watching Jayla. And she's fighting that guy at the end. And I'm like, oh, you know what I'd really like to see when I see these aliens? Even though they're humanoids, I'd like to see them fight different rather than just be good at karate. Yeah, not yeah. good at you know? Asian martial arts. <laughs> yeah. 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 Like From if Earth. she could all of a sudden... Or like, Maga. You know, yeah. if she just completely fought with her legs, if she was just doing roundhouse <laughs> kicks, like, you know, or... And was bend... Like if she so was able to bend like her legs. So she's fighting like a Doug from Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but like you look <laughs> at... Bulba. Just, um, or just turns around, uses her hands for feet and kicks the guy in the face just repeatedly. <laughs> Cool. Or has a fun chameleon ability or some, yeah. something yeah. different to something, set apart. Something alien. Yeah. I don't know. I found watching Jailer at the end just fighting and I'm like, oh, you just... And why look. wouldn't she just jump off those things and get on the motorbike? Yeah. Well, though, she she turned around and looked at Kirk and they go, all right, now i got to beat this guy. It's yeah, because like, that was the guy that killed her father, but she, she didn't it? really... Okay. In, it wasn't mm. like she was upset that she didn't kill him in the end. She just sort of threw him off and like, who's to say that he even oh, died he probably, falling she off that? She got winded. She thought they left her. She's, because uh, she looked at him, and then he's like, and then he's the like, Kirk's Fuck this, sitting ring, on the motorbike ring. waiting for her. Yeah, he's yeah. Just and like, then he revved it up, bitch. and she's like, "Oh great, they've all left." And so she fought. That's what I assumed anyway. But well, she looked at him though. She looked directly at him, and she's because like, the bagger oh, he like he like threw her, and then he's like, threw her. And then he hit down. the friggin' button before he grabbed her. Well, mm. What's that about? Too bad if you miss. Oh, because everyone no, else. We f- <laughs> Everyone else seemed to beam away really quickly. Like as yeah. soon as that, you know, the, the the effects start happening. Yeah. Even though it's a, a hundred year old, you know, beaming um, transportation system. As soon as the effects you see on screen happen, they disappear. Whereas he started to disappear. He's like, "Now, Jella, now!" Yeah. And then she's like, "Oh my god, I better stop fighting. Hang on, I better think about it for a second. Now I'll start running." And then he tries to find a sweet jump, and he goes up, and then she jumps off. And I'm like, "This has been about 10, 12 seconds, guys. Like, <laughs> yeah. how yeah. slow is this going?" And for 40 seconds uh, for 40 years in the Star Trek universe it's like you couldn't beam a moving object it was yeah, only in okay. Star Trek Nemesis the last film you actually saw like a shuttle in motion mm. get beamed into a cargo bay because it's quite you're you're broken down on an atomic level into individual particles and mm. then transported so it's like you can't you can't transport velocity yeah yeah so that was you know your ass end becomes your front end yeah they can't you can't they can't mm. put you together while you're you know riding a motor how is the motorbike actually you know <laughs> in motion yeah. and the wheels spinning when the wheels don't actually exist yet because they haven't actually been assembled yet. <laughs> yeah. it's... Hmm. Are you in fact still the same being if you get... I found myself thinking about it tonight. I'm like, yeah. what if they, they're essentially... They're, spoiler alert for the prestige. Anyone not seen the prestige? Anyone <laughs> not care to? Right? Yeah. They're essentially like cloning. Like the tr- yeah. beaming isn't transporting it's you. It's actually cloning you somewhere else. Yeah. yeah. M- Mitchell, I have some bad news for you. You know how much you hate the Big Bang Theory? Hate's a strong word. Yeah, How much we'll I don't like watch it. it. Yes. This is this is almost legitimately a word for word scene from the Big Bang Theory where Sheldon Cooper says he would not like to be transported because yeah, he that's would probably actually, where I got it from. He would be killed <laughs> and then uh reassembled in an identical version that would actually not be him. It's, oh really? Yeah. It's, well it's, it's, if Sheldon says it, I guess he's right. <laughs> <laughs> he knows more than I. And yeah, I don't watch a lot of that show, but I find myself watching bits and I'm like, Yeah, that's a good point, Mr. Mm. Cooper. I'm so, surprised yeah, Dr. That you Cooper. Don't like it. <sighs> I don't know. Just say, like, look, he's a nerd because of his haircut and the way that he dresses and he likes Star Trek. 
So let's and he said and doesn't you know. like Babylon Five, which I can I can relate. To. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, sure. Oh, that is horrible. That show. And there's a great oh. scene. That's, to digress into more Big Bang talk, there's actually a great scene where he's, he hands a paper to um, Johnny Galecki's character, Johnny Galecki, star of Roseanne. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, he, and he hands was a, he a star though? Was he? <laughs> <laughs> he's um, earning forty million dollars a year now. He's yeah. definitely a star. He was, he was in more episodes than Becky. So yeah, which um, yeah. Uh, Sheldon, we know a lot about Sheldon. Roseanne. <laughs> Sheldon Cooper hands Johnny Galecki a form and he goes, he goes, my name's on it right there next to yours. That is a surefire uh, mark of quality. That might as well say directed by Joss Whedon. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. Oh, that, that's the best one when they go. That's pre-Ultron, of course. Back in time, in Big Bang Theory. <laughs> He fell out a little bit with you there. Yeah. <laughs> Not back in time, but they go back and he's like, oh, yes, well, we better put it into our calendars. To watch mm. Firefly every week. Let's mark off every going... every Friday night <laughs> yeah. for the rest of this is, this the is next going 10 for years. at least seven seasons. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Great. Poor Firefly. Yeah, that's what I want you to watch before you get into Star Trek. Mitch is Firefly. Yeah, I'll get there. It's only 13, 14 episodes. Yep. Yeah, it's good. That's good watch. Game of Thrones yesterday. I'm I've watched nine episodes yeah. in the last thirty six hours. Good. I man. don't have I don't have you know a job that. <laughs> as, as many hours as you or a wife and two children, but you know. Yeah. Ah, they look after That's themselves. That's my <laughs> <laughs> I'm just there to take up space and eat food, really. <laughs> <laughs> Ongoing, though, like they've, they've said who's writing it. I can't remember who's going to write Star Trek 4, but it's not either of the guys that wrote this one. It's not anyone that's written one so far. Obviously, Pine is coming back. Hemsworth's coming back in some way, shape, or form. We don't know how yet. Where do you want to see 4 go if you're bringing back the Enterprise crew? I don't want to see 4 at all. Sure. Yeah, that's um, what I was gun to your head, no, you have to see it though. Oh, that's what I was see... hoping that they would end it here because he's going to be the admiral or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, this at, is good at thirty. Well, yeah, sure. And oh, and that's there's a nitpick for you is he's tired of being on a ship with artificial gravity. He just wants to go home, so he's <laughs> going to be an admiral on a space station full of artificial gravity. <laughs> yeah. What? Yeah, that doesn't do anything. Um, no, there's a couple of um, great writers from DS9 and Voyager. There's I, I can't remember the names right now, which is really annoying. Yeah, me. why don't they do that? Um, no, no, there's a couple of great writers that are actually helming the Star Trek TV series. Oh, Brian oh, Fuller okay. is the yes, showrunner and, 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 and executive producer. Yeah. Yes, now he's written some of my all-time favourite episodes yeah. of Star Trek. And I've Trek. read that a lot of Trekkies are really happy that yes. he... And he did, what, what Maybe series we should get Robert C. Cooper to do. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Did Fuller do um, the truth was Hannibal? Amazing. Was he the man behind Hannibal? He's, no, he's, he was behind remember. one series, I think, that just come to an end. It was a it was a cold hit. It didn't rate, but mm. it was very well favoured among the people that did watch it. I know that Trekkies are very happy that um, that he's coming on board yeah, to as, helm. As we hear yawns in the background. <laughs> um, yeah, he. Um, there's there's some great writing teams going into the TV series. I just I I'm over these. You want to focus, these, yeah? These films. And and. and I was always behind the eight ball going in because the original series was never something I was interested in. So, yeah. you know, and, and these, these three films so far have done nothing to allay those. Mm. So if you enjoy it, go for it. Like, yeah. great. More power to you, but. And hopefully, <laughs> at the very least, it's great for you to watch shit movies. Yeah. Yeah. And like I said, it's great <laughs> sci-fi. It's great sci-fi. It's just shit Star Trek. Yeah. Well, hopefully. Um, it's good CGI. That's what I liked. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you can, that's the thing with it's not really a compliment in a movie these days to say it had good CGI because it's like, oh, if that's mm. its only f-ing positive, then you're not going to go see it. Mm. Just means they yeah. have a big budget. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> uh, I guess at least for you as a, as a Trekkie and lover of the old stuff, maybe bare basics, what these new movies can do. It's, it's the 50th anniversary, so there's a lot of talk about this new one. It'll be out on DVD at the end of the year. Netflix will have 
all 727 episodes of the old stuff, good, bad, in the middle. Then the new series comes out. At least the people like me never wanted to watch a second of Star Trek before the 09 movie came out. It comes out. It's a big movie. I get invited to the premiere. I go along and I'm like, that's awesome. I want to watch more Star Trek. It didn't turn me off Star Trek for life. I'm open to going back and watching the That's old the stuff. That's the beauty of this. One. Yeah. 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 You've got to get more fans. I hope it does. I mean, I was hoping for a resurgence in 2009, but it never came. And I think because, you know, it's like you guys said, it's so overwhelming to try and get into Star Trek and you'd have to buy DVDs or, or literally download or something like that. Now that they're all available on Netflix, mm. I think people are going to be more inclined to check out, yeah. you know, a few episodes. And maybe there will be a resurgence. And I really hope there is because it's... It's a great. There's a lot of great um, concepts in there. I, I wish, given that it's the fiftieth fiftieth anniversary, I would have liked a little nod to Gene Roddenberry and and Major Barrett Roddenberry, his wife. Um, she was actually um, Nurse Chapel in the original series. Who there's there's a reference to. I think the first film you hear Bones say her name in the background, but she was also the voice of the of the Starfleet computers through Voyager and DS Nine and, and Next Generation and stuff like that. So a lot of people actually said the the female voice of the computer in these new films, they'd wished it had it had been Marina Sirtis, who is now the new sort of you know queen of Star Trek because she was from the, the original um sorry from the Next Generation, and and is you know really beloved. But there's there's been none of that. So I would have liked a little nod. I mean they did have that nice little annotation at the end. I oh, know that was for um, Anton and, um, Yelchin and Leonard Nimoy, but there wasn't really anything for for Gene, given that it's the fiftieth anniversary. Yeah, I think we're going. God, how long have it's, we been going? It's tomorrow. It's, yeah, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> it's still not Batman versus Superman. It's like time. it's like driving in. I was like, you know what? These guys are not trekkies. I could sit here for for four hours and talk, but I won't. I'll just trim back as much as much as much. <laughs> and we still but been you here get for bombarded ages. with questions, so that's yeah. okay. No, that's that's fine. Like and I said, if if this encourages people to you know get interested in in the older series, I'm. That's great because that's that's. What I mean, I want. I'm really interested in the new series. Yeah, I hope they make mm. it. Yeah, like I said, after Voyager, and it'd be awesome. Yeah, because yeah. I reckon it will be. Yeah, and they don't. You know, it, it it's coming out in a Star Wars v Star Trek world, and Guardians thrown in there as well. That they do try and they have a gamble, and they don't just go and make it this whiz bang blockbuster movie on TV that could be seen as a Star. Wars or a Guardians ripoff that they do mm. go back and go, you know what? It's on Netflix. Okay, it's CBS, but it's still like Netflix are involved. Let's take some risks. Yeah. And and I feel like hopefully they've learned a lot from Enterprise in yeah. terms of when they launched that in 2001, they went, you know what? We're going to get rid of the Star Trek annotation at the top to try and, like I said, to try and trick, you know, the yeah. viewers into it. That didn't work. It just was in the toilet in terms of rating to the point in season three, they changed the theme song. Well, they updated I've Got Faith of the Heart to a rockier version <laughs> uh, and added the annotation Star Trek, put um, Jolene Blaylock in an even tighter costume um, to, to try and, and get oh, yeah. people to watch, but it, it didn't work. Yeah. And she, she had a boy's haircut. It was never going to work. <laughs> And, you know, like Ghostbusters last week, like, love or hate that movie, hopefully that drives people that haven't seen the old one to go back and watch it, you know, mm. same, same with Star Trek as well. But oh, actually, I've seen notifications on Facebook, people saying, oh, I'm going back to watch the good, um, yeah. or original Ghostbusters to the point they're answering the phone and they're going, like, say your business is, you know, Mitch's Bakery, like, they answer the phone, there is no Mitch's Bakery, there is only Zool. <laughs> I thought it was going to be, Mitch's Bakery, what do you want? <laughs> Thanks, Annie Potts. That's Star Trek Beyond or Star Trek Beyond. Star Trek Beyond. Star Trek Beyond. Beyond what, though? Did we ever get... Uh, the beyond, Nebula. Yeah, beyond that Nebula. <laughs> beyond comprehension, as beyond you the, like to describe oh, it, Matty. So, uh, boys, thanks for uh, sticking with us and uh, everyone that's tuned in. Hopefully you saw the movie because otherwise we've just f***ed you every way from sideways yeah. to Sunday, you know. <laughs>
I've bored you guys so much. I feel like I need to give you some V or Red Bulls to wake up before the drive home or it's going to end badly. <laughs> I'm up in four hours anyway, so I think that'll only just keep me up. <laughs> you may as well Screw just sleep here, mate. Um, so thanks, boys. Uh, Maddie socials. High Pitch Maddie on Instagram. Beautiful. Reese. Instagram, the Flying Gibson. And Brendan, I'll insert yours later. Here it is. At Insta underscore bitch. Bitch, I with the one. Uh, I'm Mitch underscore Lewis uh, on Twitter and Instagram. Get it a geek. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can uh, check us out, getintageek.com. We're also on YouTube. And, of course, depending on where you're listening to us, iTunes and SoundCloud. We are on both, depending on your preference. And you can send us an email, your own review, your own thoughts about the film. Uh, it's uh, getintageek at gmail.com. We will be back Next week, uh, not even a week, uh, talking about one we're really looking forward to, Batman The Killing Joke, the animated DC flick that comes out one day only in cinemas this weekend, and uh, it's available on uh, Blu-ray, DVD, and digital Finally something DC I can get excited about. (laughs) (laughs) Mark Hamill back as the Joker. So we'll be back uh, talking about that next week, and uh, as we said, some other big stuff coming. Got Suicide Squad in a couple of weeks as well. So uh, stay tuned on how you can win tickets to our Brisbane, Queensland premiere of uh, Suicide Squad. Until then, Trek Beyond! Sure. So we what? We don't Live know. long and prosper. Yeah, I was gonna say, that would have been the obvious choice. <laughs> <laughs> Get into geek.com.